We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hi friends, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 50. If you are in the horse world in any capacity, any shape or form, you have had either a pair of boots, a pair of chaps, half chaps, bridles, saddle that have been broken and in need of repair. Lucky for you, our guest today knows everything there is to know about equestrian leather goods as he has been repairing them for over the last 20 years. So here to talk about all things equestrian leather, tack, and repair, here's Nick Collins, co-owner of Pacific Salary Repair. Thank you so much for hopping on the equestrian podcast today. would love to hear a lot about your Pacific Salary Repair. There are so many questions I have, so would love to kind of hear the background of how you got into Pacific Saturday, how that came to be and how you got into the equestrian world. You know, we kind of fell into the repair business. I've been in the equestrian business for probably 25 years. I manufactured men's and ladies equestrian apparel for many years. Hmm. And I had kind of gotten out of it for a bit. And we started making custom hats for people. And in doing that, as I was accumulating machinery, uh, a very good friend of mine that's that's a Grand Prix rider happened to ask me to you know fix a pair of boots and fix a few things for him because he knew I had the machinery and we did it and word sort of spread <laughs> and once once that happened as you know it's a small community and it doesn't take long for word to travel we just started doing it for other people and it kind of took off and we were asked to. Uh, put together a trailer and attend the winter circuit, which we did. And everybody seemed really happy with the idea to have a repair at the shows again, where, you know, you can get something fixed and have it back in a relatively timely manner. Mm-hmm. So when you were kind of starting up, what was a common item that was needing to be fixed that you... You know, the big thing still is always boots. Yeah. Boots just aren't aren't what they used to be. They they wear down quick and and we all need them. We need them and we need them as soon as they break. Yep. It's not something where you can just say, "Oh, well, I'll just set that aside and I'll get it fixed when I get around to it." <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, when your boots break, you need them back. So boots is certainly the number one thing we fix. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you see trends based on what brand of boots there are, but is it usually zippers, is it leather stuff? What is it? What does it tend to be? You know, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Zippers is is the number one. When we moved from a pull-on boot to zippers, which okay. are obviously so much more comfortable and, and, and such a better solution, but at the same time, you know, zippers break. So yep. the broken zipper is the number one thing. Patches is probably number two. And then, you know, after that, you get down to fixing soles. But luckily, we don't wear through our soles that quick. Mm-hmm. So you were helping a friend out. It turned into this little, at, at this time, was it like a side business? Were you doing other um, forms of work? What, what did that look like? No, you know, we really weren't doing repair. We, we have our hat business. Uh, mm-hmm. My partner and I also have a hat business. And in doing that, a lot of the machinery was the same. So yeah, we just sort of started doing it for people and it just took off and word spread. And it, it went from, you know, will you put a zipper in a boot to can you put billets on a saddle Yeah. to can you reseat a saddle? 
Wow. And so it just sort of spread from one thing to the next. And luckily, we were able to uh, do it for everybody. And I'd, I had quite a bit of experience in sewing from manufacturing clothing for so long. So, okay. And I'd always fixed my own stuff anyway over the years just because it was easier. So. Gotcha. Yeah. At that point, when you just started working on equestrian goods, had you had a lot of experience in the equestrian industry? Were you familiar with tall boots and saddles and how they worked and how they were made? Oh, absolutely. Because okay. I'd been selling, you know, tall boots and bridles, all sorts of tack, you know, for the 20 plus years. Got it. Uh, okay. So, and I had sold, you know, custom boots for almost all of the manufacturers over those 20 years, because you, you know, you'd have one manufacturer come into the U S and sort of take hold. And, you know, we'd be selling those boots for that period of time. And then you'd have somebody else come in and they became the popular boot and you'd move over and you'd start selling those boots. So I'd had experience with almost all the brands. Mm -hmm. What would you say is something that surprised you once you started kind of getting the ball rolling with all of these repairs? Wow. Surprised me. Yeah, like what kind of uh, what kind of things did you see, or things that you needed to fix that you were a little taken aback by? I think probably what was most surprising is is how much customization uh, people really want. Hmm. Uh, if they buy a bridle, I need the throat latch adjusted, or I need these reins shortened a bit, or I'd like the stops sewn in permanently, or you know, just all these little things that we don't think of that over the years. Certainly for myself, you know, things that you just kind of fix and make it your own way, but how much of that really is pervasive in the sport, how all of us want everything sort of tailor-made. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. When you were starting to repair this tack and boots and bridles and, and going through everything, did you find that, I mean, obviously you had mentioned that over the years, you noticed the quality adjusting. What would you say was the biggest difference and, and why do you think that it has gotten to that point today versus how those things were made, you know, 25, 30 years ago? Oh, I think it's it's just part of business. Unfortunately, I think people have taken up the idea of built-in obsolescence, and and they just don't build product to the standard that they used to. I mean, I think we I see it certainly across the board in all of the product. It's, it's a shame because you know I worked on a customer's pair of boots not too long ago, and I actually sold her the boots probably twenty years ago, and they were still in beautiful shape. Mm. And believe it or not, we work on a number of boots every month that are brand new out of the box where somebody has just purchased them from the tax store, but they've broken the zipper trying the boots on. <laughs> it's interesting to see how you know, the quality of the product has changed over the years. Yeah. So I have a situation. I had needed an adjustment to my boots and I'm, I'm guessing you see this a lot, but I, I'm 5'8". I'm fairly tall and did not want to pay the crazy, like kind of like a next step up for getting essentially custom boots, but I needed my tall boots to be just a touch taller. Do you have people come to you a lot to make their tall boots a little bit taller? You know, honestly, we don't see that that often. Most of the repair that we do for riders that are on the circuit year round. Mm -hmm. So most of the boots that, that we see are custom boots. Yeah, uh, boots that were made specifically for the rider. So sure. we don't see a whole lot of that. Uh, what we do see is we'll see, you know, I've lost some weight, so I'd like to take my boots in uh -huh. or I've gained some weight. So I'd like to add a gusset. 
Yeah. Uh, we see that, but we don't, I, to be honest, we don't do many uh, top editions or things mm-hmm. like that. Gotcha. Are there any type of situations where people come to you wanting an adjustment and it's just at a certain point, not worth the repair where maybe the, the next uh, cost effective step would be just to get a new pair. I mean, what are, what are kind of some, some instances of that? You know, I, we see that a lot in, in tack. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times somebody will bring us uh, some piece of tack that I, I have to look at them and just say, you know, this is the time to buy a new one. Uh-huh. Uh, w- with boots, a lot of times we'll fix boots and people will invest in fixing boots, even when you think it might be better to buy a new one. Because mm-hmm. I think as riders, we fall in love with our boots. Totally. And, and, and that comfortable pair of boots that you don't want to get rid of, so many times it's worth the fix. Mm-hmm. It's worth, you know, rebuilding and putting on a, a, a new set of patches and redoing the binding on them and, and just bringing them back up to speed. So in boots, I think we, we certainly see people, they'll, they'll fix a boot. Same thing with a saddle. Uh, you know, we fall in love with our saddle. And if you've got that saddle that is comfortable and fits your horse, it's just many times better to just keep fixing it. Totally. Is there anything people can do with the tack when it's not cost effective to repair it? You know, one of the great things I think to do in that case is a lot of times what we'll do is, for example, if a customer brings us something and and, and we look at it and we say, you know, honestly, your repair to do this is going to be more expensive than what it's worth. You might as well go buy a new one. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that customer will donate it. And what we'll do is we'll do the repair and then we'll donate it to uh, one of the handicap riding associations. Oh, cool. It, it's, it's a great way to take that tack that maybe we as riders might, you know, throw in the trash, but we can fix it. We can make it, you know, up to par again and, and safe. And then we donate it and it gets a whole new life and, you know, it helps people out. Mm-hmm. I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor today, Ruspari. Their motto is be flexible because all of their products are designed for equestrians to wear stable to street. And they were the first equestrian company to design an elastic belt with a flat class specifically for riders. They also have the equestrian hip clutch, which I wear all the time and gives riders the chance to conveniently ride with their cell phones. All of their products are made here in the USA and cruelty free with vegan leather. Also, my girl, Adrian, owner of Ruspari, has given us a specific promo for podcast listeners to get 15% off their purchase. This is huge. So use the code podcast for 15% off your online order at checkout. But this offer only lasts for the next two weeks. So make sure you put in your order by May 18th. That is again, code podcast at checkout for 15% off your entire purchase. Thanks, Ruspari. All right, let's get back to the episode. What are some tips that you would have for people to take care of their leather goods? You know, I think there's, there's a lot of good products out there. I, I don't know that I'd name any in specific, but I think there's a lot of good products. I think the key thing is, is to, to clean uh, your leather as often as you can, uh, really not to let it build up. You know, make sure you condition it and you oil it. In terms of boots, sort of the same thing. The biggest thing I see with boots is we have a tendency to use cheap polishes that give a quick shine. Mm-hmm. And the problem is most of those, what those really do is they kind of seal off the leather. They don't allow the leather to breathe. If you can, if you can use a cream on your boots, you don't get the buildup on the boots. The boots stay looking new and the leather stays in a much better condition. 
Are you referring to like the grocery store leather kit of like the stick that you just like spread the, you like the black polish on the boot? Absolutely. Yeah. Generally, if the polish comes out of the end of a sponge, it's uh-huh. probably not a good idea to use it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always wonder, I kind of figured, but yeah. When you are cleaning the tack, kind of like step one, how much water do you suggest having in the sponge with your soap? You know, you don't, you don't need much. You don't need a lot of water. You need enough just to get your glycerin going and mm-hmm. enough to clean and remove the hair uh, you know, that that's also one of the big problems with boots is what causes our zippers to go bad is, one, we work in a dusty, sandy environment yep. that builds up on the zippers. And that effectively works as like a sandpaper, and, and it wears away the stitches that hold the zipper teeth in place. Mm. And that's why our zippers break. Uh, one of the suggestions that I make to everybody is to keep a, a bit of wax or even a, like a children's crayon works Mm -hmm. well just to run that down the zipper and it keeps all of that dirt from building and staying on the zipper and then wearing it out prematurely. Wow. That's a good tip for the boots and and tack the same way. You just really want to try to remove all of that buildup that we have that wears our tack down. Right. Is there a difference between I have like a a CWD balm that I love to use on my saddle. And then I've had a groom actually in in Southern California in your neck of the woods. He conditioned my saddle for me. He'd conditioned it for me like on a Sunday night because we'd be off Mondays. And it was always like, oh my gosh, he did such a good job. What is the difference between something, a product like that, like a balm and uh, like oiling your saddle, for instance, like as far as the overall care for your saddle. Well, like when you mentioned, you know, CWD, for example, CWD, Devacu, Voltaire, Antares, all those manufacturers also provide great leather care products. When you when you go back to those guys and you buy direct, they all have really good quality leather care products. I suggest to a lot of people if you can use those, because when you try to buy something at the local tax store it's not always quite as good as what you can get from your manufacturer. Got it. So you would suggest that if I would have a certain brand of boot or tack, that I should be in an ideal situation using that manufacturer's products for it to to treat it? No, not necessarily. Just, Just really finding a good quality leather care product. Okay. And and the easiest way for most people to find that is to just go back to the manufacturer because mm-hmm. they'll they'll offer it and they'll offer a good quality product. Got it's it. difficult sometimes when you go to your 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 tax store that's local, they don't always carry a, a big supply. Mm-hmm. Or you know, like you were saying, you go into the grocery store and you and you go to the <laughs> you know the aisle and they they sell leather care products. But generally, that stuff is just not the best for us. Yeah. What are the main leather types that are used for horse tack today? Well, I mean, that depends on the manufacturer. But, you know, most leather that you see coming out of the the, the major companies is always a really good quality, especially when when you look at those major brands that we all know. They're all manufacturing with a good quality leather, you know, generally tanned in Europe. And that's where you see, you know, when you buy those products, you really see good wear and tear. You know, we, I think as all of us, when we, when you start riding, you know, if I look back to, you know, tack that I bought when I was young, the leather was of no comparison to, to what we get today yep. through, you know, so many of like the French manufacturers and things like that. 
Yeah. I see a lot of buffalo. I see a lot of calf skin. What's your opinion on the pros and cons to using those two types? You know, I think that comes down to, to sort of personal preference. I mean, a, a buffalo, you know, is, is a really great tough leather. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it won't stretch as much. It makes, for example, you can use that as, as a great billet on a saddle. There's a, a lot of things you can do with those different leathers, just sort of depending on what you want to accomplish. Certain people will use certain leathers for reins because if somebody wants a softer rein versus mm-hmm. something a bit more stiff, there's there's just such an abundance of great leather today that you can accomplish almost anything you want. Mm-hmm. Are you on the road pretty frequently with Pacific Saddlery? What does your shop look like now? Yeah, we, we've got a permanent shop where, where we do the bulk of the repairs. We do a lot of repair via mail, believe okay. it or not. A lot of people send us stuff and we do most of that in the shop. There are certain repairs that we can only do in the shop. So for example, if somebody brings us a pair of boots and, and they need soles, we can only do that in the shop because the machinery is just too big to put into a trailer. Right. So if we get a pair of boots at the show and they need soles, they come back to the shop. But the trailer is on the road and will be on the road basically all year long on the circuit here on the uh, West Coast. And in that trailer, you know, we can turn around a set of zippers, do patches, do most repairs to uh, tack in the trailer. But there are certain things that we just have to bring back to the shop. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next for Pacific Saddlery? Um, What's kind of in the big game planned in the next year or so? Well, over the next year, I think you know we're we're just finishing up uh, putting together all the equipment, and we're going to start manufacturing uh, some custom bridles and reins and, wow. and things like that. Here, we've been doing it on a small basis for some friends, and so we build some stuff for some people. But I think this year we're going to sort of focus on that, and we'll have a line of uh, bridle workout later this year. Wow, that's exciting. I'm sure with all of your experience in repair, you've been able to really narrow in on what works well and what holds up and what looks the best. So that's, I mean, you're the best person to do it, it sounds like. Oh, it's been, it's been an incredible learning process. I mean, that was, uh, I was discussing this with somebody the other day, doing the, the repair. For so many years, I manufactured things brand new, but mm-hmm. repairing things, I have to say, uh, brings your level and your skill of sewing. It's much easier to start from new than it is to take something and repair it. Totally. Yeah. Wow. That is so exciting. What would be an area of the industry, and I know we've touched on this a little bit, that, that you're particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the industry doesn't just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk a lot about? I'd love to see the industry go back to sort of really making sure that we're building products that that will last a long time for our Mm -hmm. customers. I'd like to see us going back to, you know, just really caring about what we sell. Yeah, there's there's a hard, uh, I'm sure a fine line that you have found where, and, and it's probably why there has been a, a decline in maybe durability, but with uh, I guess like competition and people trying to keep prices down that has sometimes made, you know, the overall quality be sacrificed a little bit. What is your plan with walking that line with making the products at a price point that makes sense while still um, not compromising the overall quality of it? Well, we're, we're going to manufacture everything here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like to use an English bridal leather. I, I think the quality is unbelievable. 
one of my pet peeves is is hardware hardware mm. on on bridles and you see this a lot in the repair as well i'll get in a halter and it'll have a broken snap on it or a broken buckle and you'll notice that that hardware is no longer brass everything is brass plated mm. but so th- things for me are investing in hardware and making sure that the hardware we use is solid and will last forever i mean that's one of the things you know, you should be able to to clean your bridles and, and clean your halters and things like that and have that hardware not deteriorate because it's just plated, you know, pot metal. So using the correct hardware, using good quality leather, sewing here in the U.S. And I don't think there's any reason you can't build a great product here at a reasonable price that hopefully, you know, when we sell somebody a, a bridle, it, it lasts them effectively forever. Right. Hopefully you'll never have to repair your products. <laughs> That's the hope. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Equestrian Podcast. I learned so much and I know our listeners will be too. Um, where is the best place that people can reach out to you and find you? You know, I think that it's probably easiest to find us on the web. It's uh, PacificSaddleryRepair.com. You can also find us on, I know we're on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we we do a lot by mail. So believe it or not, we get stuff from all over the country every day. So people can feel assured to send us stuff and we can fix it. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nick. I wish you all the best for you and Pacific Saddlery. Thank you, Bethany. Appreciate your time today. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.